Hello and welcome to the Be Better Stupid podcast, coming to you recorded from my bedroom in Los Angeles. Today's episode is about when to be yourself and when not to be. When does it suck to be yourself and when is it actually a good idea? And the guest for today's episode is going to be Morgan, my wife. Let's get started. You can be married for about nine and a half months at the time of this recording um we've been together for seven and a half we've been together for seven and a half (laughs) as i said we've been together for seven and a half to eight years depending on how you want to look at it morgan now works as the vip director at dolce and gabbana and uh i had her for this episode because my journey about no longer staying true to a rigid idea of who i am is largely because of her and who I was pre-Morgan and who I was post-Morgan are two very different people. Um, through college and a little bit after college, I was a complete shut-in. I um, I almost never left my room in college. I made no actual friends, really. I went out once a week to go to Chipotle. That was like basically the one time I left campus. I spent most of my time on an internet message board. I didn't really know how to function yet. And then near the end of college, I met Morgan. So let's start with this. Why don't you talk about your initial reaction to me? So when I met Will, it was the first day of our sitcom writing class, and I noticed him right away because he was very tall, and he was wearing a t-shirt with his own face on it, which I thought was pretty funny. Not just my own face, my own uh, portrait in a Speedo. Oh yeah, Yeah. that's probably a good detail. Um, And then when it came time for us to like pair off in the class, it was like a small class of maybe 10. We both had expressed interest in wanting to write South Park as our spec script, which is just like a sample script that you write if you're trying to be a TV writer. And then I started going to his dorm room weekly and he wouldn't look me in the eye for like a really long time. He was just like that awkward and antisocial. He truly would like kind of mumble to himself. I was like, what is it with this guy? And so slowly, 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 probably like three sessions in, I feel like we started to kind of become friends. You may be wondering when you're listening to this, hearing all these descriptions of me, like, well, what did she see in you? And the answer is, at first, nothing. And in terms of being a romantic partner. We did go on one like kind of bad date where... um, Yeah, yeah, but you didn't know it was a date. I didn't know it was a date. (laughs) I thought we were just hanging out, um, like having lunch together. And then Will showed up in like a full suit, um, (laughs) which he likes to try and downplay. But it was super funny because I was like, oh, no, because it was like a very casual It was was a dress shirt and slacks. Okay, but but and a tie. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And so (laughs) the whole meal, he's like, it's like he kind of, I think, because he thought it was a date, he like kind of reverted back and like spent most of the time like letting me talk, and then like ordered the same thing as me, and like it was just very like it was. I I, halfway through, I really realized like, oh no, like what is happening here? And then I had to sort of like have a talk with him after, like, hey, I think you're awesome, and I like want you in my life, but I'm not really like. I mean, and it was kind of ignorant on my part. I was sort of just thinking, like, he doesn't check all the boxes on my, like, list. One of them being, like, socially capable. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, no, next, you know. Um, but I wanted to stay friends with him, and that's what we did for, like, two, three years after that. Now, of note here is that 
I didn't change who I was after this, even though I, it was clear that the general meanness of all that was something that was a turnoff for her. I think we should also mention that, Will, you had just gone through like a bad breakup. I think that without that context, it kind of just sounds like, well, why did anyone ever talk to him? Um, I think he was very, uh, I think he was semi-normal. I think he was always a quirky person, but I think like, you know, through high school, he had a lot of friends and you know, I've since met all of his, like, friends from his younger years. They're great people. They're completely normal. In fact, I remember, like, the first visit to his hometown, um, I met his friends, and then I thought, oh, I guess he is probably pretty normal then, because <laughs> these people are really nice and, like, normal. So now my life is totally different. I eat a lot more adventurously. I live a lot more adventurously. I leave the house relatively often. I have friends. I make friends at work. I'm a relatively socially adept person. I mean, not, you know, I say relatively. I just generally take better care of myself, have a more balanced life. And Morgan was basically the catalyst for all of this. Not just because it was a case of, oh, she's going to like me if I do this, but because I could see how living in this way enriched her life. And now while the transformation with me was really big and obvious, Morgan went through her own transformation as a result of our relationship. Um, how would you say that you've changed as a result of getting together with me? I think getting together with you was probably the most like eye-opening experience of my life and I definitely was changed for the better. Um, before being with you, I had like an idea in my mind of like the type of person that I would eventually marry. Um, not that I was really thinking in terms of marriage at all, but like the type of person that I would just be with in general. Mm -hmm. And it, it was nothing like the person that I ended up <laughs> agreeing to date like way back when um I feel like you really challenged a lot of my uh tendencies to be that like typical girl with a checklist of like I want someone that's like this and this and who likes this um because you kind of didn't fit the bill at all um so I think that you really just kind of like helped hold my hand in uh just being really open to like examining like hey like yes we are connecting on so many levels why not try and like make this like a romantic type of relationship and you know it, it took me a while to get there but I think your patience um which is one of your best attributes I think that's really what I needed I, I think a lot of people probably would have been like bail like yeah um and had in the past so I feel like that sort of you know that was what I needed was someone as tenacious as you um another one of your like key qualities um so we definitely had a big impact on each other's lives and the thing that we had in common before our relationship is that we had a very stringent kind of set in stone idea of ourselves and it was only coming together where we where we realized that that was kind of a destructive thing and that it wasn't really helping us and that's when we learned to essentially not not always in the conventional sense to stay true to ourselves when to not stay true to yourself. For almost all of my teen years, I had the following quote written on a dry erase board in my room. The highest courage in life is to dare to be yourself in the face of adversity, choosing right over wrong, ethics over convenience, and truth over popularity. These are the choices that measure your life. Travel the road of integrity without looking back, for there is never a wrong time to do the right thing. Sure, I was a complete fucking dork to have a quote written on a whiteboard in my room, but I do still try to live by this idea. I think most of us do to some extent, whether we know of the quote or not. The majority of us struggle to stay true to ourselves, though. 
particularly when security, money, peer pressure, or the potential to get some ass comes into conflict with who we are. Most of us cave and cower in these situations, sacrifice our principles, accomplish nothing, and hate ourselves afterwards. And then we don't learn from our mistakes, and we do it again, and again, and again, and again, until we have no idea who we are anymore or what we were trying to accomplish in the first place. And that's when we find ourselves eating alone at Taco Bell and contemplating laying down in the drive-thru and waiting for some stoned idiot to vehicular manslaughter us at 2am. Or is that just me? Because we suck at this, we really admire and exalt those who don't back down from who they are. We see it as a higher form of being, and for good reason. In many circumstances, staying true to yourself is courageous, it's noble, and it's indicative of a higher feeling of self-worth. If you know yourself and you're true to that person and you love that person, that's a big chunk of life right there. But what if, sometimes, staying true to yourself totally sucks dicks? Freebird used to be my favorite song of all time. It still arguably is. That's not weird phrasing. I spend most of my life arguing with my own brain. But I've come to feel very differently about it over the years. For those of you who have not heard it, first of all, you're an inadequate human being and instead of reading this, you should spend the next six minutes sitting quietly and feeling bad about yourself, but I'll describe it for you anyways. Freebird is essentially a nine-minute ode to stubborn individualism. It has two verses and courses about how the protagonist can't be with his love interest anymore because he can't or won't change who he is. This is followed up by four minutes of rocking the fuck out that perfectly lines up thematically with the song's lyrics. It fades out around nine minutes, but not in the bullshit, I don't know how to end this song, so uh, let's just turn down the volume kind of way. You get the distinct impression that Freebird is really meant to go on forever, thus signifying the protagonist will continue to fly free and remain eternally unchanged. It's a beautiful, tragic, powerful motherfucker of a song. And as somebody who used to live a life that was somewhat against the grain or abnormal, or as others would call it, creepy and unsettling, I always felt a sense of pride listening to this song. A sense of, fuck the world, I'm going to be exactly what I am, and I'm going to be happy that way. And in a weird way, I do still take pride in that whole idea. But here's the other important thing about Freebird. It's a nine-minute masterpiece about a stubborn refusal to change that was usually performed with a Confederate flag in the background. And of course, when most of us see that, our reaction is something like, Oh God, change that now! Please change! Change it all! And there's a lesson here. Sometimes, despite your own pride and what you consider to be your integrity or individuality, you should really fucking change a little bit. People would tell me that I need to leave my room more. People would tell me that I needed to socialize more. Or that I... Um, no, I, like, when we first met, I was wearing that ridiculous shirt with myself and a Speedo on it. Even that's an example of... I know this is not what others would say I should be doing, and but this is what I like, so I'm going to do this anyway, and that makes me awesome, and I feel good about myself the more I do things like that. Like hyper-contrarian. Sometimes hyper-contrarian, but sometimes just, like, this is what I want to do. Um, like, the, the truth was back then that, like, I, was, I spent all of my time on a basketball message board that was way more interesting to me than talking to basically everyone I talked to at, at, at college except for you. That, you're the only person who is more interesting than that. And oh. <laughs> yeah, feel good about yourself. Um, and so like that was such like, well. Such a low bar. Just such a low bar. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but uh, point being that like, if you're, if you're not living by what others are telling you to do and, and you're just thinking, well, I should just go by what I want to do then. Uh, just purely do that and not be influenced by the outside world. Then I'm going to continue to I'm going to continue to go on my message board and I'm going to talk to people there and that's going to be my my social life. It maybe it's not the conventional one, but it's the one that I prefer. So who cares what anybody else thinks about it? We both had a lot of that in us for sure. How would you say you had that in you? Um, I always like to just kind of wear whatever it was that I wanted to wear, even if it's like a lot of people were showing up to class in sweats. I'd usually be in like a cute outfit or mm -hmm. something like that. Um. 
I've since kind of relaxed on that kind of stuff, but that was important to me back then because I felt like I was getting a lot of my, like, I, I felt like I needed to show who I was because it was kind of hard to t connect with people at the particular school that we went to. And then I was also in film school, which was primarily guys like Will who didn't want to make eye contact. So <laughs> it was very hard for me. I, I came from, you know, a high school where I was super social and on like student body government and, you know, just had a billion friends to an environment where it wasn't as easy to make friends. And I think I was always trying to like cling to those like, what is an external part of my, or what's like a part of my identity I can cling to because it's been successful in the past type of behaviors. Yeah. Um, that actually reminds me of something else. I was staunchly against drinking like throughout high school and throughout college. And I had reasons that felt like very strong principles to me. And it felt like very strong, um, like very much a part of who I was and, and rejecting that was something that I was very proud of. And not, not only did I not drink, but I hated being around I hated being around drunkenness in general. I, I, I felt like it was in a way a lower form of being. And so I was trying to, so that was something I took pride in. And I was like, this is me. This is who I really am. And if they're all going to go out drinking, I am fine staying in. And I feel good about myself doing that. That's actually a perfect example for a lot of the changes you made though, I think, because it's an example of someone judging something before trying it. Like just like kind of looking at something on the surface and being like, that seems lame, you know, like, yeah. I think that's not for me, like, what losers, like, yeah. instead of like, giving it a try and being like, you know, that's the thing, like, you never base that decision off of like, I had a weird night. And you know, I just don't think drinking's for me. Like, it was yeah. literally all in your head, judgments that you were forming against people who were just like, being drunk idiots. And yeah. like, you know, yes, there's some like validity to what you were saying. But like, for the most part, that's not yeah people's and, experience. And is reinforced by my hermit behavior because that just means I was I was staying in my head more and was basing everything I was doing and thinking not off of experiences but based off of just my mind was closed off to the four walls of my room in a way. Would you consider yourself flexible in your definition of you or do you take pride in staying true to yourself and is there a way to combine those two things perhaps? Um, I think that the only way to stay truly true to yourself is to be flexible in your identity um That's and, an and the way that you view yourself i feel like it's kind of one of those things where you have to really like not cling to these quantifiers of like i'm a this person or a that person and instead just respond to like how do you feel today like you know on certain days you're going to be really true to that like black and white version of yourself and on others you're not and i feel like you can't let that derail you you have to sort of just know like I'm showing this side of myself today um, and maybe, you know, maybe another part's laying dormant, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. I, I think maybe it could be summed up as staying true to yourself is different from staying true to the identity that you've created for yourself. And the former is maybe, maybe in a way it is always a good thing to do if you're always staying true to like what you think is important in, at, at a given time in your life. Staying true to, to an identity is what I think we are both doing before our relationship in a kind of toxic way that's more harmful. Yeah, and I think that when you, it's, you know, when you're young and you're trying to figure out who you are, it's really comforting to be like, oh, I think maybe I'm a person who just like loves fashion, you know, like, great. Oh my gosh, I'm a fashion person. Um, I love this. So you just kind of run with it. But then, you know, the danger it comes in when you don't stay flexible at a moment where you're like, I don't really care about fashion right now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you mm -hmm. have to be open to it and you have to, 
um, respond to how you're feeling in a given day. Yeah, you're not a set in stone thing. You are ever changing. And so therefore, it's kind of impossible to stay true to any definition of you, I guess is what it would be. Exactly. Yeah. Our addiction to stubborn individualism. Unfortunately, many of us don't see things this way. We love stubborn individualism so much that we praise it even when it results in the person sucking. There's something tragically beautiful to, about sticking to your guns even when those guns are uncontrollably shooting everyone around you. Hell, this is why Donald Trump is popular. After most of the things that he says and does, any reasonable human being would say, wow, I, I really shouldn't have said that, I, I apologize, This is I'm really going to try to learn and grow from this. But he doesn't. And people love that because there's something appealing about being unreasonably true to who you are, what you've said, and what you've done. There's something alluring about somebody shitting their pants on national TV and then looking into the camera and saying, I meant to do that. That's who I am. Fuck you. The problem with doing this, as you might have guessed, is that then you have to walk around with shit in your pants, which is unpleasant for you and torture for everybody else. Nobody wants to walk around with poopy pants. The only reason Trump is able to do it is because he's convinced he has the best smelling shit in the world and people are saying his poop smells like strawberries. The Trump phenomenon is a perfect example of the danger of exalting stubborn individualism in the wrong context. If you take the premise to its full conclusion that everyone should always stay true to themselves no matter what, pedophiles should molest kids because deep down that's who they are and what they want to do. That's literally the justification that Nambla uses to fuck boys. This is why we shouldn't always stick to our guns. This is why we should recognize when we're Trumping slash Namblaing, they're literally the same thing, and apologize for what we are and wipe that shit out of our underwear. That's what I've been trying to do, even though I was truly happy in my old life, and there's a reason why. Being happy with yourself in a vacuum is good. The problem is that we don't live in a vacuum. We want to be happy with ourselves, and one way to do that is, be, is to be happy with whatever the hell you just did, regardless of what it was. So why do you think I was placing such a premium on staying true to myself when you first met me? So essentially, I think that you were sort of like trying to like hide behind this crutch of like what had worked in the past. Not that you thought you were going to get similar results, but more so that that was your comfort zone. And I think you kind of thought like, you know, this is who I am. This has always been who I am. I'm just going to keep doing it and screw everyone who doesn't want to be a part of it. People have their different ways of, of feeling comfortable. Some people actually do the exact opposite thing and just mold themselves to whatever their surroundings are so that people will like them. Um, it's interesting because I think those are two completely different uh, paths towards the same thing, which is just do doing whatever is the most comfortable to a destructive extent. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I I kind of tend to think that most people who are hiding behind like a staunch identity like you were are just horribly insecure. I think mm -hmm. anyone who's hiding behind like I'm a person who doesn't care about the way that I look, so therefore like you know. I'm never going to try and look good because, but I think it's really comes from this maybe fear of like, but maybe I'm, if I try and look good, I'll fail. Or like someone's going to say like, I thought that you didn't care about the way you looked, things like that. So I feel yeah. like that's just like a micro example of that sort of. In that case, it would be somebody challenging the fact that maybe, maybe you're, maybe you're changing. And the fact that we see that as such a bad thing is telling in, in its own sense. Yes. Yeah. Being happy with yourself isn't enough. A few years ago, I was an awkward, antisocial, narcissistic shut-in, and I was proud of that. Nobody believed me, but I truly was a happy person. I felt those things made me who I was. Somebody who didn't feel the need to fit in with this world, whose separation from the world allowed them to maintain objectivity, who was able to achieve the rare human miracle of being happy by themselves. Or as most would call it, a loser, loner, weirdo with a mass shooter vibe. 
But even though I was happy and proud, it's also worth noting that because of this pride, I was adding nothing to the world other than bad masturbation jokes that nobody read. I wasn't advancing in my life at all, and I was missing out on things that actually made me even more happy, like human contact, effective communication in my writing, and being a part of my family. I never called my mom, I never kept in touch with my friends, I ate terribly, and though I had self-confidence, it was shitty wrong self-confidence that led me to proudly march in the wrong direction. These aren't things to be proud of, they objectively blow. If you're solely focused on just being happy with yourself, what are some things that might fall by the wayside that might be damaging to you? Oh, um, I think when you're really just focusing on being happy with yourself, you miss a lot of opportunities to connect with other people. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, you can be so ha so wrapped up in just like keeping yourself happy and content with your own view of yourself that I think you can kind of forget like that there's a whole world out there that has nothing to do with you and that you're pretty insignificant at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and that a lot of the most fulfilling connections that you can make with other people just really aren't going to happen in that space that's in your head. It's going to be when you're trying to grow. Is there a, do you think do you think there's a concern that if you're too happy with yourself that you're not ever going to look to fix your problems or improve yourself? Um absolutely. I think if you're too happy with yourself, you do have that tendency to kind of shift focus and you just are like, "Okay, I'm happy with myself." And maybe you don't realize that like the world around you is changing or like, you know, the circumstances that you're in are changing and that you need to adapt. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, being happy with yourself should really be a feeling like happiness is. I don't think it should be like something that you've sort of prescribed yourself in your head. Yes, it takes it kind of it, it kind of takes like the journey out of life because it, it just it puts you in this very stagnant place where you're not push to to move beyond where you currently are and if you're doing that you're it, you're not making any progress in life i think is the, the main thing there yeah for me i think the most important thing is just getting to know yourself um and then you can kind of build confidence from there and then once you have that you know some days i feel like you are going to feel happy with yourself but you're not going to be thinking about like am i happy with myself you're just going to be existing mm -hmm. as yourself thriving you know and I feel like that's kind of the goal for me always is just to sort of like not be thinking about that, to be operating and existing in the world and connecting with people and sort of like hopefully having a, you know, a consistent presence. And I think I do, um, but just not really like basing any of my self-worth on whether or not myself is consistent and has some sort of like identity i think that you know those patterns will present themselves and you don't need to try to make those patterns happen correct um correct I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> correct professor so how do we change the simple solution to all this would be to blow up your personality and start from scratch Throw the fedora in the fire and find Jesus. Lose your sense of humor and focus only on your studies. Decide you no longer like competition and are now really into taxidermy. Almost none of us should do this. Even the worst of us have good qualities and those are worth holding on to. Osama bin Laden might have been great at parties. He just needed to work on the whole murderous terrorist thing. So we need to find a way to differentiate between what we should change and what we should maintain. In my experience, this takes a unique kind of self-evaluation. Most think of self-evaluation as looking inward, but for me, it's been about looking outward and asking questions based on that. What is this actually doing for me? Are my good intentions accomplishing anything? How is this impacting others? Is doing what feels right leading to positive overall results? Or am I just jerking off into the world's hair? Still with the masturbation jokes, shame on me. 
In order to understand this, you have to observe how you're interacting with the world around you, and you also need to actually listen to others, particularly people that you know and trust. Of course, this doesn't mean that you should blindly follow someone's objections or complaints. There are totally times when 15 of your friends tell you not to do something, and every single one of them is wrong. But you should listen to people and ponder the points they're making. Basically, fuck objections, listen to persuasions. Just a quick note here for my listeners, you'll notice in the middle of this section that while you can still totally hear me, the sound coming from me gets a little screwy. I would have just edited out the section, but truthfully, I think a lot of our best material is coming up right here in these next couple of minutes. So for this next chunk of time, maybe just pretend that someone is giving you some really sage advice in a tunnel somewhere. Thank you. Now let's get back to the pod. If we had just kind of stayed friends for the next for that time and we were just talking on the internet all the time and you were just trying to logically convince me like if you go out more you'll have a more enriched experience and and your life will be overall stronger or if you eat better food then you'll be healthier and you won't die of scurvy when you're 27 or like um or if you know if you make friends then you'll have people in real life to talk to about things and and that'll be a lot healthier than living in your head all the time you could have said all these things to me and i could have even known them and agreed with them but you have to be have in in person experiences pushing you to do things i think i think it's sort of like you can read all of the self help books that you want and really you know take them in and understand them and believe them but if you're not implementing those things into your life you're never going to feel the change and you're never going to see any self improvement yeah the thing that i would stress is that if you really reconsider who you are all the time then you can still consciously keep the, the best parts of you and you can see, okay, this is how this is helping me. This is how this is helping others. And you can hold on to those parts of yourself, but you can then identify the parts of yourself that need to change. And I really think that when you do that, there is a better life on the other side. I mean, that certainly has been my experience because the truth is that no matter how you want to get better in life, whether it's getting girls or furthering your career or just making more friends or just being a little happier, the solution is just be fucking better. And that's a loaded idea. There's a lot of different ways that you can be better. But the point is that in order to actually do this, there's going to be parts of yourself that you have to let go of. There, have to be, there are going to be security blankets that you have to throw out. There are going to be things that you identify as part of who you are that need to change. So when did you last look to uh, change something about yourself? I mean, I'm constantly kind of evaluating like where I'm at, what I want to change about myself. I feel like, you know, I think a lot of it is I'll be pretty content with myself, but then I'll notice I'm getting really comfortable in some arena Mm -hmm. and that maybe I need to disrupt that a little bit Um, or I need to scale back. Sometimes I'm being, you know, I'm socializing a little too much and I feel like a lot of my like personal things start to like pile up and then I feel like, okay, maybe I need to scale back on that a little bit. And I think there are... I think too much of a good thing is is a real problem. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I will go on stints where I'm traveling a lot and I'm having such a great time and everything's so enriching. But then after a while, you know, if you're constantly stimulating yourself, you're not getting that same benefit that travel gives you, um, yeah. which is, you know, enriching your life and kind of disrupting the ordinary and causing you to open your eyes. Um, if you and, don't have an ordinary, there's nothing to disrupt. Exactly. I, I think you really hit on something with finding a balance because – that's something that's so easy to not do. We, we can go so far overboard. Often it's with work, but sometimes it's with looking after our kids maybe or uh, doing our own work on the side or 
sometimes it's with stuff that's objectively a waste of time, like playing too many video games or marathoning too many TV shows. And I think pursuing balance is such an important part of life. And it's harder within the context of this topic because if we identify ourselves as like, I'm a gamer or I'm, I'm this or I'm that, then we want to dedicate all of our time to that. I often find myself putting probably, you know, focusing too much on this website and too much on this podcast and all these different things um, because I take pride in my productivity. And as a result, I want to continually be productive to, to give myself internal pride points. And that can be a toxic thing because there are times when it, it's, it, even after all these years, it still hurts me socially. Um, there are times when I don't take care of my body enough. There are times when um, I don't think about things with you enough and it throws my life out of balance. And as a result, really my work suffers because I'm a less balanced person and therefore I'm not able to give as good of advice on things or I'm not able to have as good of insight on things because again, I've kind of reverted back to 20 year old Will um, just sitting down and trying to be productive all the time and trying to, and living in my head constantly. That's, I mean, it's really a balance of everything. It's a balance of exercising your body and exercising your mind and living in your head and living in the outside world. I think there's a proper level of all these things, but you have to consciously pursue them. You should not perform with the Confederate flag behind you because someone is like, take that flag down. Fuck that guy. He doesn't have to watch. But when your friend says, hey, I know this isn't your intention, but I think you're kind of rallying up some awful people in that crowd with a, yeah, bring back slavery fury, maybe it's time to think about what you're doing. I've tried all of this, and I'm happy to say that I've shed some of my proverbial background Confederate flag. Not all the way. I'm still probably like 96% of the person I was five years ago. I still lose touch with my friends. I still tell jerk-off jokes that no one reads. I still don't call my mom enough. But I do try to listen to people, and I try to communicate with them instead of just my subconscious, and I've lost some of that delusional self-confidence. I have a better sense of reality, and I'm trying to get better, and that's the key. These methods are flawed, of course, because they're based on subjective human evaluation. Some of us will do the most effective self-evaluation that we can, and still conclude that stopping the gaze is a great idea. It's also flawed because many people just don't want to do it. You don't want to proudly be who you are, and then find out that you're a dick. You'll feel like an idiot. It's a square kick in the ego's nuts to admit that the person that you've been strutting around as for the last couple of decades totally sucks ass. So how do we protect our egos while looking to improve ourselves? The key, I think, might be in loving your attempt to change your faults. Become obsessed with how great you are at trying to be better, even if you fail. Take pride in the attempt to change. Take pride in the one step forward you take before you inevitably fall seven steps back. That's okay. It's okay to keep sucking as long as you're really trying not to. So stand tall and take pride in the best parts of who you are. And take even more pride in the fact that you're only going to get better. I guess what I'm really saying is, throw yourself a flag burning party. Why do you think that we resist change in general? Um, I think it's comfortable to have a script about yourself in your head. You mm -hmm. know, when you're meeting new people and you're in these uncomfortable situations, yeah. we have these defaults that we have where it's comfortable for us to like talk about a certain thing. And, you yeah. know, as much as I personally try and challenge that, like, you know, depending on the day, sometimes it's just a lot easier to just default to who I typically am, like, you know, yeah. rather than kind of just take things at face value. Yeah. Um, th there's, there's a, there's a saying that life begins at the end of your comfort zone and, but you cannot progress in life if you don't attack this. So I think it's something you have to be conscious of and constantly look, look at, okay, what is it about me? That's not working right now. And, and you have to actually look to do it. Here's something though, that can be challenging. If you're really pretty happy with your day to day, 
you can kind of stagnate in a way and I think sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone even if it like on the surface you're doing pretty well yeah um and I think that can be really hard progress is always good even if it's progress from a good spot so here's my final word I think Morgan's most profound point in all of this is that you need to be flexible in the idea of who you are in order to actually stay true to who you are. Staying true to something that you've told yourself that you are is useless. That doesn't accomplish anything. If you take that to its fullest extent, then you might as well jump around on your couch playing the floor is lava in your living room because that's who you decided you were when you were five. The reality is that we have to be constantly changing and evolving. If we don't, then we're bound to suck. We're bound to become outdated people that root for the skins and are still trying to get our mail order coal catalog off the ground. There's a better way, and it starts with you constantly reevaluating yourself. You should stay true to what you think is right and what you really want, but that's something to be evaluated in the moment, not a definition on which you're supposed to fall back. Fuck that. Be your authentic self based on who you are right now, not who you told yourself you should be five years ago. So once again, if you're seeking advice, or if you'd like to add your own commentary about one of these episodes, make sure to reach out. You can reach out by DMing me on Instagram or by emailing me at will at bebetterstupid.com. I want to thank my wife again for being a great guest as always. You can follow her on Instagram at thebookofmorgan underscores between every word. And you can follow me on all socials at bebetterstupid. You can also check out all the content at my website, BeBetterStupid.com. Lastly, if you liked this podcast, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Or if you're like 20-year-old me and you don't have friends, just tell random passers-by. Anything to get the word out. Lastly, if you like this song you're listening to right now, make sure to check out Nick Dorian anywhere where you can find music. So, thank you for listening, and for Morgan Penny, I'm Will Penny, reminding you to be better, stupid. You got me on me Cause I'm so tired